0: listener.
1: Hello, everybody. Greg Rust and Nadine Armstrong with you. Welcome to the What Report. You can probably tell we're having a laugh already as we uh, as we record this. How are you? How's your festive season, your holiday been so far? Excellent. What have you excellent. Got? Five weeks off. Who gave you five weeks off? Ah, uh, you know, I had you to earn track it. You down with a microphone.
2: You earn it. You earn it, don't you? Yeah. Coming back, twenty twenty four is going to be a ripper, and I can't wait to get into more of what's under the bonnet and the What
1: Report. And in this, of course, we focus on news. We've decided to bring in our producer, Kelsey. Here she is. Hello. Welcome to you. What is making news in the world of EVs?
3: Well, Rusty, you know, I always bring you the best in EV (laughs) news and this week is no different. I have found the gold and I mean that quite literally because we're going to be talking about the golden Battery. Can we
1: cue some gold music here, like *Spandau Ballet* or *James Bond*?
3: (laughs) Now, this battery is being dubbed the "Golden Battery," not just because part of it is actually gold, but because this thing is gold standard. It can charge from 10 to 80 percent in just 15 minutes, apparently. Sold, sold, guys. That is a crazy fast charge, uh, do you think it's worth the golden battery title if it can do what it says it can? Does it come with a golden price tag is the big question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's manufactured by the Chinese auto giant Geely, isn't it? So, I mean, they've done some, uh, the Chinese generally have done some amazing work around battery development rights. So I'm not surprised that something golden like this is coming out of that part of the world. But, I mean, providing... It can do what they're suggesting that it can. What is yeah, it?
2: 800 volt electrical architecture. So that's the game changer, isn't it? In so, 15 minutes. And that's what everyone wants. It's going to get a lot of attention, whether or not people can afford it, whether or not it's coming. How is it coming in every vehicle? I think it's a, it's a great news story.
1: Lots of question marks though. Pricing naturally, as, as Nads just said there before, we want to know about reliability and, and so on. But It certainly created some interest.
3: Speaking of batteries, how do you guys feel about battery swapping?
1: I think it's a good idea. I think fundamentally it's a good idea, if the car's capable of it.
3: For some people, it is a bit of a controversial topic, but that is not going to stop Stellantis because they've announced trials set to take place in Spain in 2024. If you haven't seen a battery swap before, it kind of looks uh, and works very much like a car wash you drive in. But in this case, when you get there, a robot swaps out an empty battery module for a fresh one. So literally within a matter of minutes, you are driving away on a full charge. So they've modified 100 Fiat EVs to take part in the trial. But it's a pretty clear signal that the industry is taking the idea of battery swapping pretty seriously. So Will it work in Australia? If it came here, would it work in a country like ours? I mean, what could possibly go wrong?
1: Thank you, Kelsey. We have modified battery cell four, seven, six.
2: <laughs> I am a robot.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, look. Let's be honest. The the we have I think talked about this in prior episodes as well about recycling about using batteries in a more effective method people who buy second-hand vehicles want to know that that the batteries they're getting have got a reasonable lifespan so if the car is capable of doing this sort of stuff and if we can prolong life by doing some of this swap stuff? I mean, particularly because a battery, what are we talking like? They're 15 grand in some cases, aren't they? Yeah,
2: replacements are, yeah, it's not cheap. So yeah. And I guess, you know, it's going to have to be a specific battery. You know, what does that look like? How does that work with your warranties? I mean, you know, manufacturers will have a lot of things to think about if if they do go down this path locally. Um, Yeah, I love that concept If you know, how you, I think it's a Samsung, you can put your Samsung on top of another one and give them a bit of charge.
3: Wouldn't that be good?
1: Not recommended to park one car on top of the other though, (laughs) Nads.
3: There is actually one car manufacturer that has been doing this for quite a while. That's Neo. They've been doing this in China. They actually offer free battery swapping. So it seems to work in that market. I guess time will tell if it will work in Australia. But let's move away from batteries for, for just a second. How is this for a nightmare fuel headline? Tesla recalls more than two million vehicles across the US to fix defective autopilot system. Mm -hmm. The safety flaw in question is due to a lack of driver monitoring while autopilot is in operation. So despite the misconception that, you know, you've got autopilot on, you can just sit back and relax and drink a coffee. That isn't actually true. You still need to be paying attention. Now, no cars will be taken off the road for this. It is going to be fixed with a software update. But Rusty, look, you've driven a lot of cars before. Would you trust the autopilot system?
1: My high school friends to this day still call me Safety Sam. So the short answer, that's a true that's a true nickname, <laughs> that the short answer is no. And you've touched on it in the introduction to the news piece here. The rules currently are that you must keep a hand on the wheel, you must retain a level of control.
2: It's a disastrous headline. Put the word recall and autopilot together and people get Mm.
1: scared. So
2: read it properly, understand what they're talking about. But yeah, at the end of the day, you should be always watching where you're going, regardless of any kind of uh,
3: autopilot. And if anyone's in the movie scene, you'll know that there was a recent movie that came out with Julie Roberts that you have a scene where lots of Teslas... Were crashing into each other and came out around the same time that this was announced. So was probably <laughs> some bad timing uh, for Tesla.
1: Exactly. <laughs> How many times has The Simpsons predicted the future? <laughs> We don't want that to happen.
3: Because if it happened in Hollywood, it's possible, right? Well, look, speaking of, of rogue vehicles, uh, Lancia Ypsilon lovers got to see the new model before it was even released. The problem was uh, the photos were of it being fished out of a <laughs> French canal. So is it too lame to say that the photos were leaked?
1: Oh, I love what you've Can done see. there. I love what you've You're done stealing there. R- is
3: Rusty riding this oh. stuff for you? might be a sign that the EV market is saturated.
1: Oh you can come you can come <laughs> back for the next episode for news. Look at you. I told you I had gold. Executive producer said we want uh to be engaging, fun, blah, blah, blah. Look at what you've done here. Some play on words. I know. Eh?
2: This is potentially the the most
3: PR that the Lancia Ypsilon has ever had. Well, look, guys, we don't have many details about how this happened. It was stolen from the factory and someone went for a joyride. It did end up in a canal. Uh, But I have to ask, is this one of the worst car launches you've ever seen? Uh (laughs) launch emphasis on launch
1: very good how about now come on you've been getting better with every episode we want you in your finest kind of podcast radio announcer voice to say and that's it for news in this episode of what's under the bonnet off you go come on
3: and that's it for news on this episode of what's under the bonnet
1: look at you go (laughs) thank you and we're done very good time now for what's happening in the market with our good buddy Fian
4: (laughs) Get ready for a massive year in 2024, with several car brands making their EV debuts in Australia, including Volkswagen, Toyota and Jeep. Season's greetings and happy Crimbo, everyone. Senior editor Fian Tor here with what's new on the EV market. First up, Volvo's most affordable EV thus far will roll into Aussie showrooms from early 2024 in the form of the EX30. This all-new small SUV is priced from just under $60,000. With a 480-kilometre range, thanks to a 69-kilowatt-hour battery pack, both single and high-performance dual-motor versions will be available. The Volvo EX30 also takes a leaf out of the Tesla playbook. With just one large central touchscreen, doing without a digital driver's instrument display. And how's this? Volvo Australia reckons it will only sell EVs in Australia from 2026, which means this electric SUV will be doing a lot of heavy lifting. Next up, Volkswagen will finally, finally join the EV revolution in Australia in 2024 with the ID4. The midsize SUV has the potential to give the top-selling Tesla Model Y a bit of a scare. Why? Well, VW has very strong brand value, and the ID.4 is expected to be priced from around $60,000, which is cheaper than the Tesla Model Y. Sure, it's arriving in Australia years later than in most other mature car markets, but with a range of more than 500 kilometres from its 77-kilowatt-hour battery pack, it's one of those models that could be worth the wait. Another iconic brand taking its first dip in the sea of electrons is Jeep, which will launch the Avenger small SUV in the second half of 2024. This is a huge deal for the adventure-seeking car brand. Jeep is a huge global brand, but in Australia, its popularity and sales have plummeted, which is why the all-new Jeep Avenger EV will be vital to the brand here. With a very trendy new look and some innovative new features, it could be just the thing to get Aussies back on side. Now, if you're like me and enjoy adrenaline-pumping mountain blasts to replenish your mental batteries, you're going to want to mark February 2024 in your calendar because that's when the ballistic Hyundai Ioniq 5N will touch down in Aussie dealerships. Sure, it's priced at an eye-watering $111,000, but... It'll rip from 0 to 100 kilometres an hour in a supercar-like 3.4 seconds. Some of the car sales team have already ridden shotgun in the vehicle and they're still frothing harder than a can of Kirk's Creaming Soda rolled down the stairs. Fair dinkum, all bets are off when this bad boy arrives. And how could I forget to include Toyota's first foray into the EV segment? Indeed, the oddly named Toyota BZ4X will be arriving in Australia from February 2024. And while the price won't be cheap, its vital statistics and techno doodads are far from class-leading, the fact that it's a Toyota will almost certainly ensure its success. Wrapping up with a few news tidbits, and Honda's recently revealed next-generation Prelude electric sports car could come to Australia after the company filed a trademark application for the Prelude name here. Meanwhile, Chinese EV giant Neo has confirmed it will launch a new global EV brand called Firefly. These vehicles will be, to quote NIO's CEO, disruptive which is code for very affordable, with talk of a $20,000 EV arriving in 2025. And that's what's current in the EV market. Catch you next time.
1: Thanks to our buddy Fian there. Time to meet an EVA on this episode. And we have got Pat Lanyon joining us today from Fairshare. He is the logistics and planning manager, and he's had a Ford e Transit on loan to test and see how well it stacks up, delivering thousands of meals to Aussies who are doing it tough each week. Pat, hello and welcome
0: to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure.
2: So Pat, it's probably fair to say that your job at Fair Share requires quite a bit of moving around. So tell us a little bit about that to start off with.
0: Uh, Yeah. Okay. So we're Australia's uh, largest charity kitchen, cook well over 2 million meals a year. So there is a significant amount of movement of food, ingredients, finished meals, and we also have our own gardens where we grow vegetables. I did a rough calculation I think we do probably like six six to eight thousand kilometres a week.
2: Yeah, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, so
0: in Melbourne we've got eleven vehicles, a, a mixture of vans and and small trucks. The E Transit, yeah, has, has just slotted into our our fleet perfectly. It's been a godsend actually to have a, a, an extra van just just sort of drop in. <laughs> into the fleet. and it It's great. Like I just can't fault it. It's really, really great.
2: Pat, I'm really keen to know how the relationship with Ford has come about. Um, they've obviously loaned you the e-transit to use and they're a supporter of Fair Share. So I'd love to know a little bit about that relationship as well.
0: Yeah, the relationship with Ford is a really nice story. It's almost a year to the day that Ford, a crew from the Ford's sustainability committee came out to our Derrimut warehouse to do some volunteering. So the Ford team came in, and me being a bit of an EV enthusiast, said, "Oh, there's a the e Transit is on its way. Maybe you, you guys could help us out." Wink, wink. And uh, <laughs> they said, "Oh, hey, that's actually not a bad idea." And and literally, the conversation started like that. We had some fantastic um, supporters who really drove it from within Ford. Sophia, hello, if you're listening, and they just they made it happen. Ford have just gone above and beyond with their support for fair share, not just with the, the van, but also bits and pieces of financial help. And, you know, they helped us with their the smart charger. So it really was just that. They came in the door, the right time, the right place, and good people caring. That's how it happened.
2: I love to hear that. And we know that the light commercial segment is incredibly important and, and more EVs are popping up. So it's it's great to hear that Ford are doing their part for such an incredible cause.
1: Was there any adaption process for you in switching to that? How did you go with the move to... Something EV orientated, if it was a, a traditional ICE vehicle that you were using
0: in the past? What I wanted to do is I wanted to put the e transit through a normal day that an ICE vehicle would do, just to see if it would, if it's feasible, if, it, if it's, you know, a one for one. And it, it is, but there's a, a few things, of course. The van has to come back to our depot every day for charging. That changes things a bit because some of the drivers take their vans home. So, you know, we had to sort of work around that. At the moment, the van's not refrigerated, so we have to work around that a little bit. We've got to put a lot more eskies in the back, and if it's a really hot day, it becomes a little bit tricky. Luckily, we've had the van mostly throughout winter and early spring, so that's not really an issue at all. But it's been a a lot of fun working with the, the van. The drivers really love driving it because it's super smooth but also really fast. It's just a pleasure to drive. And the the charging, for me, it's been the most interesting part, playing around with different charge rates, where we can charge it using off-peak, utilising our our solar. We've got a significant amount of solar panels on our our roof, but a 100-kilowatt system. So when the sun's shining, that van is charged completely from the sun. And that's a really, really rewarding experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. Collecting food from stores that was otherwise going to go into landfill. And doing that in a van that was powered entirely from the sun, I, I, I love those days when it happens.
2: Yeah, that's that's the ideal, isn't it? I guess that brings me to a, another question around, have you had long enough with the vehicle to do a proper sort of cost-benefit analysis around, you know, what the potential savings are for fair share?
0: Yeah, yeah, we have, yep. So we've had it for about four or five months now and we've really put it through its paces and it, it absolutely is the way to go. It's a significant operating cost reduction compared to ICE vehicles. At the moment, the upfront cost of the the electric van is what's a little bit of an issue in terms of the cost benefit. It's still a fairly long payoff time, but if you can get your hands on an EV, you immediately save money. So I think I I did a calculation. We travel around about 30,000 Ks, 35,000 Ks a year, a a single van will, and that costs us in the range of $10,000 in diesel plus servicing. To run the e-van, probably about $1,000 a year, maybe, depending on how we use it. But I know that the way we use it, when the van comes back, there's still a lot of sunlight hours in the rest of the day that we can charge with solar and then charge with off-peak rates. So it's very, very cheap.
2: That sustainability piece is obviously incredibly important for fair share. It's kind of at the heart of what you do, so to speak. But, you know, what is that next step for you? How do you transition, you know, A, the the, the initial outlay cost, but sort of what are some of the things you would have to do to transition your whole fleet to EVs?
0: Uh, not a huge amount. If Somebody gave us the cash right now. There's really nothing stopping us from replacing all of our older ICE vehicles, with the electric vans. We have very very set routes that don't really change too much. Mm. So I know for sure that the van that's going to do this route, it's going to make the distance. And even if it won't, there's so many public charging stations around Melbourne that I know that I can organise it, that the driver has his or her lunch break while they do a you know, 15, 20-minute fast charge, which adds about 100 kilometres. So, yeah, depending on the type of work you're doing, EVs are, are really a perfect fit, especially for yeah anything urban, where you're doing a lot of stop-start, that's perfect for it. Get a lot of regeneration on the battery. Pat, it's been fantastic to get you on the podcast. We love this little
1: segment because every time we are invariably surprised by something different about each person's story. And what you've done so beautifully today is to help small business owners that might be contemplating the switch and so on. So, um, to you and the team at Fair Share, keep doing what you're doing. We just think it's a, a, a terrific um, cause. And thank you for coming on What's Under the Bonnet and, and sharing a bit about it with us.
0: It's been my pleasure. Um, it's a, been a little bit of a passion project for me, so I feel really happy that I've been able to talk about it. That's it for this edition of The What Report. We hope you all had
1: a lovely Christmas. Super deeper. Catch you next time, everyone. Bye (laughs) for now. Listener.